Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Well, we are going to continue in our series in uh, the Paul's first letter to the Corinthians titled Christians Behaving Badly. Um, for those who, who know, I was not like a big youth kid growing up, like wasn't in youth groups, uh, but I did, a few, did attend a few youth camps in my day. And I remember one of these games that get played at this youth camp. It was, a, it was a small indoor obstacle course, and each team had a representative, and that, and that representative was on one side, and uh, here there was a couple catches to that, to get through the obstacle course. One is that they were blindfolded, all right? And they had, they had one of their team members on the opposite end of the obstacle course, and they would shout out directions to the representative who's blindfolded. So go left, you know, turn right, go five paces straight, now duck, you know, watch the broken glass, you know, things like that. You know, all the things that makes parents feel good about sending their kids to youth camp. And so we, they, they get through, but here's the other catch. Flanked on the left, or yeah, your left and, and my right, flanked on the left and right, where the opposing team were yelling out counter directions. And so now you would think that you would be able to recognize the, the voice of your friend, but it was incredibly difficult to cut through the noise and focus on the guidance you needed. And I bring this up because it is Paul's aim in writing this letter to the Corinthians, and it is our aim in going through this series to address how do we cut through the noise of our culture? How do we cut through the noise of religion? How do we cut through the noise of even our own flesh and our own desires to follow Jesus? How do we recognize his voice who is helping us to get through this maze called life? Because it is incredibly difficult to cut through that noise. And this is what this series is all about. And if you are new, this is a great uh, time to be here because you will see what the gospel really is and just how much Jesus really loves you. The second thing you'll see is that if you're already a Christian, you'll have the opportunity for you to connect more deeply to your purpose because Paul is going to give us his bottom line in life. And he's going to challenge you to consider what is your bottom line? And does your bottom line line up with the gospel? Because Paul is not some super Christian. He is just following the way of Jesus. And he is going to help us cut through the noise of what it really means to follow him. And it's helpful to know what the bottom line is. So we're going to look at this in 1 Corinthians um, in chapter 9, verse 19 to 23. For he says, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew. Side note, Paul was a Jew. Why would he say that to the Jews, he became the Jew if he was already a Jew? Paul so identified with his heavenly citizenship He had to act like a Jew to be a Jew. Your primary citizenship is in heaven. You have to act like an American to reach Americans. 
You have to act like a Mexican to reach Mexicans. The way that you know that the gospel has shaped your life is you have an understanding that your citizenship is ultimately in heaven. That's for free. In order to win the Jews. So to those under the law, I became as one under the law, though, though myself not being under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. Those outside of the law, I became as one outside of the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. Basically, those, to the, those who like religious, I became religious to talk their game and win them. And to the irreligious and you know the Gentiles, I, I talked their game. You know I went to uh, the rib shack and had ribs and hung out with them and I, and I, to win them. And then he says, to the weak, I became the weak so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means, I might save some. Which means sometimes what he did didn't work. We'll hit that a little bit. I do it all. Here's the money verse. Here's the bottom line. Here's Paul's bottom line. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them, those he's reaching in its blessing. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. He becomes a servant. He becomes all things to all people. He adjusts. He's flexible. He's different. He changes. He, he submits what he wants to do because his bottom line is not his comfort. If his, if his bottom line was comfort, he would not do all things for the sake of the gospel. If his bottom line was his career, he would not do all things for the gospel. If his bottom line is, is having his week the way he wants his week, he would not do... If his bottom line was his Sunday mornings being his Sunday mornings, and he would not do all things for the sake of the gospel. He did this for the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is good news. It's not good advice. The gospel is not some good advice to be followed. It is good news to be believed, applied, and shared. Buddha died giving good advice. Strive without ceasing. Jesus died proclaiming good news. It is finished. So the gospel is not first things that we must do for Jesus. I really need you to hear this part because you're going to be very tempted to hear something else. The gospel is not first things we must do for Jesus. It is an announcement of what has already done for you by Jesus. 1 John 4.10, in this is love, not that we have loved, but that he loved us. We love because he first loved us. Have you ever, have you ever tried to hug someone who didn't want to hug? Now you know how God feels. We're, we're going to talk about hugging people today. But all that means is you're just hugging him back because he has already hugged you. We have the affection from Christ. This is the gospel. If you're following the Ten Commandments and you are being a good person and you're just kind of hoping that it all works out, that is not a Christian. A Christian is someone who has been 
like sweeped off their feet by the unbelievable mercy and grace of God. This announcement that the angels sang on the day he was born, it is happening, it is happening. One has come, the, the, the only one who has come to save you and to deliver you from your sin. That is what a Christian is. But what does it look like to be a Christian? Do you just kind of go on doing the same thing? You know, you got your life, you got, you know, same career, same everything, you know, just kind of indifferent to everything else. The gospel is meant to change our lives the way that good news typically does. Good news has the potential to change your life in ways that good advice never can. Good advice, Brian Mowry, is that you should lose weight. Good news, Brian Mowry, is you just won the lottery. We, Christianity isn't, thank God, is not you should lose weight. Christianity is you has just won the lottery, but I got good news. It's way better than won the lottery. You have been eternally saved, added, adopted, healed, uh, been brought in, and all the other good things that the, the scriptures have to say. And this is meant to shape our entire lives. Paul wrote to the church in Philippi in his letter. He said, only let your manner be worthy of the gospel of Christ. I mean, imagine finding out that you won the lottery and you're still stressing out about gas prices. Doesn't make any sense. Or you're still, a, you know, you're a stingy tipper. Like it just doesn't, you just won the lottery, bro. Like you just should be, it should change the way that you live. You have received more. The best thing that could ever, ever, ever happen to you has happened to you. So why is our response so mediocre and apathetic and grumpy at times? Well, we need to remember the gospel. It means living sacrificial lives, not to pay Jesus back, not to pay Jesus back but in response of his sacral love for us. So Paul writes to, to the Romans. So if you've not read the, the letter to the Roman church, um, Paul, who wrote to the, the church in Corinth, he also wrote a, a letter to the, to the church in Rome. And in, verse, in, in chapters 1 through 12, I mean, it's, excuse me, chapters 1 through 11, it's Paul at his back. I mean, just all the great stuff about the gospel is, that you know is all there. You know, there, so now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You know, what could separate us from the love of God? Nothing because of what he's done. Who could bring a charge against the elect? That is, who could bring a charge against Christians? Well, no one can because Jesus has justified us. You know, he who did not spare his own son, will you not give us all things? You know, for all the good stuff that we know about the gospel is in Romans. And then in chapter 12, he says this. I appeal to you, therefore, therefore what? Therefore, because of everything I said in the first 11 chapters, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, we use the ESV Bible, in, and this is what you're reading right now. We use the ESV Bible as like the main translation in our church. But the ESV, I think it did a bad job at, at translating that word spiritual. Because if you go look up the Greek word, it means um, mind, logic, reason. This is your reasonable service. This is the logical outcome. If you believe chapters 1 through 11, you should be living this way. 
presenting your life as a living sacrifice. If you're not presenting yourself as a living sacrifice, it may be because you missed the memo on chapters 1 through 11. And I want to help you understand that, Paul says. So if God has done amazing things and our response should be amazing, and that's why he add, and we're really, Christians are really big, are not being like the world, and that's why he says, don't be conformed to the world. So if this isn't happening at some level, you've heard the voices of culture more than you've heard the voices of God if you're not living this out. So that's why Paul says in verse 19, because of all this, I have become a slave to all to win all. I become, this is how I live my life. So I give things up. I let other people go first. I let other people, uh, you know, their preferences are more important than my preferences. I I become a slave to all. I lay down my rights. Uh, The context actually of this letter, part of the context of this letter to the Corinthians is he is getting hammered by them. He's being criticized. And he says, look, I don't even want to justify myself. That's what he says in verse 15. He says, I have made no use of any of the rights that I have. Because his bottom line was not getting his way. His bottom line was not justifying himself. His bottom line was winning as many people as possible. So he became a slave to all. Whatever he could do, that was his grid. And and that's how he lived. And that's the way we have the saying around the staff. We have a, a staff value. It's called whatever it takes. What does that mean? Well, it means whatever it takes. What do you mean by that? Well, well whatever, whatever it takes for more people to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, that's what we want to do as a staff. We want to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes for more young people to experience God's love and his supremacy of, over all things, that's what we are going to do. Whatever it takes for, mo- for those who are lonely, those who are forgotten, those who are not included, we want all people to know God, find family, discover their purpose, and make a difference. We want to do whatever it takes. That is our bottom line. That is what we are going for. That is what we are striving for. And that is what this church has been built on for now 25 years. Because there's a community of people who's always wanted to do whatever they can, as much as they possibly can, to save as many as they can. That's why we're going to two services. That's why the next time we say that, you know, you're going to cheer more. I know. I just believe it. I, just believe, believe, I believe it in my heart. Um, because we want to do all things to reach as many people as possible. So we become a servant of all. Well, I just, I don't like those service times. Don't be offended by this, but nobody asked you. <laughs> Not because we don't care about you but because you're, we're on the same team together going in this direction, and all of us are doing whatever it takes to reach as many people as possible. So there are two, we have over 200 kids in, our J, in this location alone in our J-Kids roster. There's like 80 a week or something like that. That, that go into our services because there's not enough teachers to um, have more kids in there. And when we, a couple weeks ago, when we said, hey, we want, because, we, we're, because the material is PG-12, we want to make sure everyone has an opportunity to go in there. Well, our attendance went way up. So people who never heard the gospel or didn't have an opportunity to hear the gospel were able to come. Kids were able to be in there. I just want to encourage you. 
That's a simple way to apply it. I'm not at the application part of my message, but in case I get scooted out of here uh, too quickly, I just want to make sure, like, hey, that's an opportunity for you to do that. We want to lay aside every way. This is what Jesus taught us. Hey, you want to come follow me? Pick up your cross and let's go. Let's do this. Let's go for it. So we lay down our rights. We lay down our comforts. And to be honest with you, there are churches all over the American countryside just aren't willing to do this. And I'm, that's not me being smug, because the reality is, if we're, doing, if we're still doing the same thing 10 years from now, we've done wrong. We've done wrong. This message of the gospel is unchanging. The gospel is, un, the gospel is same yesterday, today, and forever, because Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. It is a sin to change the message, but it is also a sin to not change the method. Because lives that are shaped by the gospel do whatever it takes to reach as many people as they possibly can, even become, even saying things like, I became a slave doll. So this is everything behind what we do, multi-site, multi-service times, online services. Is this great for the volunteers? Sometimes not. Is it great for the staff? Certainly not. It's a lot of work, but our goal isn't to be comfortable. That's not our bottom line. It's not to be comfortable. It's to be effective. This also means that we have to have flexibility. So let me just tell you something about us, because this may help. Um, there is nothing in my personality that is flexible. So like right now, this is like, this is me in being really sad. And this is me, now me being really happy. Um, and you, you'll notice they're about the same. Uh, Myers-Briggs, the flexible, the planned versus spontaneous, it's way heavily on the planned. Um, all, you know, the, I'm an Enneagram 8. I'm a D on the disc. I mean, all the bad, all the personalities you look at, like, man, I'm glad I'm not that guy. Well, I'm that guy. And so... I remember when I first took a personality test back in the uh, 2002, I was a stockbroker getting some uh, sales training, and I took my first personality test. And, and when I came home, my wife said, well, how did it go? What did, what did it say? And I, it says I'm a jerk. And so we, um, <laughs> that's what it says. And so there's nothing in my personality that's flexible. I want, I want this. The ch I want one chair to sit. I want this chair. My wife is very flexible, changes things every day. And this, please keep this, this, is, this, this needs to be the same. I need this to be the same. This church is going to change things all the time. And, it's gonna, and if you like what we do right now, I promise you, you won't like what we're going to do next year. Because it's going to change. And it's not based upon my personality, because my personality loves everything to be the same. One of my favorite things to say to the staff, hey, last year we're going to keep doing the same, because it's just easy, it's repeatable, it's all those good things that I like. But we're going to change. And that's not built upon my personality and the way I like things. It's built upon what the gospel dictates. So we are going to do different things. We're going to 
We're going to change this. We're going to change that. We're going to change this. We're, gonna, we're just going to do whatever it takes. Does it work all the time? No, it doesn't. We do all things for all people that I might win some. Sometimes you do it and it doesn't work. Um, John Haas is here sitting on the front row. Um, I'm sorry. You're, he's in his 70s. He's, everybody, he's, he's an older guy. And uh, he's been an elder in a church for forever, and not just this church, but other churches. Um, and he, he has preferences. In fact, if you don't know, he, he, he's, he's retired, but he did a lot of work on this building. He, he, did, he was like the general contractor for like at least half the project. And... Yeah. And... Um, he, throughout the project, there were, there were several things. There's a lot of, most of the stuff in this building was not his preference. In fact, there are multiple times where he had written something in the plans and, and it got changed. He literally built a building that he didn't want. He worked saved us hundreds of thousands of dollars. So much so that the other contractor wanted to pay him for doing some of his work. And John just said, no, just take that off the bill of Jubilee Church. He literally laid down his life to get none of his way. So in Hebrews it says... Consider the, the way, consider how your elders live and imitate them. If you've never actually asked, if this challenges you and you're like, well, what does this mean for me? If you've never asked, I would, I would encourage you uh, to find out how you can do that as well. And we do this in all different kinds of ways. And we're adjusting the building over here. I mean, we're, we're, we've made the, because we, we, we're all about the next generation and, and, and we lean young and we created a, a, a kid space that's, uh, that, um, that is like way more than, than like a typical church building. Usually they, they tell you to make an adult ratio of four to one for kid space, make the adult space about four times bigger than the kid space. And we haven't even come close to that. The ratio's way off. Because we're like all, we're lean. It's not for us. This isn't for us. This isn't for me. This is for, it's for the next generation. So we'll, we'll, we'll do a gap year program and we'll spend money. We'll lo- I mean, there's, we charge a little bit just to, so people have skin in the game. But we, I mean, we're going to invest heavily into that. Do you know anyone? I mean, apparently there's not many here. They're 18 to 20. Or at least they don't want to say that they're 18 to 20 or whatever. But if you know anyone who's 18 and 20, this church wants to invest in them and love in them and care for them and, and help them uh, understand what God has for their life. But over there too, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna create this space, uh, uh, a sensory room space for our J Kids ministry. We create a separate entrance for those who have sensory issues to come in and to have a transition space and to have a place where they can go where it's not immediately walking into noise and all of us enjoying each other. And it's going to be very, very expensive. But we, we love to do it. Because it's not for us. We're not doing this for us. We're doing it for people who may not feel included. All these things that we do, 
so that we might win some and so that we might share in his blessings with them. And I want to take the next five minutes or so and end with this, this story of, of the prodigal son in Luke 15, because it helps us understand what's going on here. It, for those who don't know that uh, Jesus tells a parable of lost things in, in Luke 15, a lost, a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. And in, the, in the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son, uh, the younger son, there's two sons, there's a younger son and an older son, and the younger son, uh, father, give me, your, give me my inheritance now, and he goes and he blows it on you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, finds himself in the pig pen, comes to his senses, says, hey, my servants in my father's house are doing better than I am. I'm going to go back to my father and be a servant. He comes back, father, make me a servant. Father says, I will have none of it. You are my son. Puts a ring on his finger, kills the fatted calf, has a, has a party, uh, puts a robe on him, and, and just goes nuts. But there's an, an, an older son, and we're going to read about this older son. He says, now there was an older son that was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house, and he heard music and dancing. And he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and he refused to come in. His father came out and entreated him, like tried to reason with him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you. I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me even a goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, notice he's not his brother anymore, it's his son of yours, came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. He's still so tender, even though his older brother is not doing well here. You're always with me and all, that I, and all that is mine is yours, which is literally true because all that he had would have been his inheritance. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and now he's fine. Let me tell you something about God. The father's heart is to win his kids back. In the garden, we rebelled, and like spoiled children, we just ran from him. And his heart is to win his kids back. He celebrates, he celebrates every lost child coming home, every single time. This is a story of two sons who's, who were alienated from the father's heart. The first one did it and left. The first son was alienated from the father's heart and left. The second son was alienated from the father's heart and stayed. There are older brothers all across this country who have not, who are alienated from the father's heart, who have not left and blown it all on sex, drugs, and rock and roll and, world, and worldly stuff. They just became angry and bitter. And why does this not revolve around me? The fascinating thing about this story that you and I might miss that 
people in this culture would have not missed. In the first parable he told, see, every parable had someone went after. So the parable of the lost sheep, the shepherd went after, ran after, found him. In the parable of the lost coin, this, this woman turned her house upside down and she searched for the lost coin. Why is it that in the last parable of the lost son, no one went and searched? This fact would not have been lost on this culture because everybody knew that it was the older brother's responsibility to go after the younger son, but he didn't. And he became angry and he became bitter. And he did not want to pay the cost for his younger brother to come home. He wanted to keep what was his. Now this younger brother in the story had a Pharisee for an older brother, but you and I have an older brother in Jesus who was willing to leave heaven to go search for you and I. And he did not pay the finite cost of a goat, of a robe, and a ring. He paid the infinite cost with his life. And that reality is meant to shape the entirety of our lives where we now do whatever we can do, all things to reach as many younger brothers and sisters as we possibly can. And to not do that would to be to deny what you and I have gotten ourselves into. And my prayer for this church is that we would not be younger brothers alienated from the Father's heart, but that we would not be older brothers alienated from the Father's heart but that we would make our bottom line, whatever it takes. Can you do whatever you want? Yes, you are free from all. But like Paul says, even though I'm free from all, I make my slave at all make myself a slave to all, that I might win some. If you wanna know what we really care about and what our bottom line is, that's what we hope it to be. And we wanna encourage each other, spur each other on, as the Bible says, to love and good deeds, to cast off things that, that cling to us so that we can run this race. Maybe there's some things in your life that need to be cast off. Maybe it's your concept of what Sunday morning should look like for you. There are opportunities for people to be reached just doing simple things, serving simple ways. There are bigger changes. I mean, there's things like just being okay with what's going on here. And I know that's not everyone's cup of tea, but we want to embrace this because we want to share in the blessings with the Father 
and celebrate every younger brother who comes home while we stand. Jesus, we are Oh, when we think about what it cost us and we think about the, the minor inconveniences and things that we have to put up with, the money, the time, God, it's so easy for us to get caught up and set our mind on ourselves. It's so easy. Jesus, we are just in awe. We are reminded afresh. You just didn't give up minor inconveniences, but you gave it up all for us. Because of that, we've been eternally saved and included, brought in, forgiven, not made servants, but made sons and daughters of the living God, that we have this eternal family that goes on for billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of years. So God, may we use this 80-year window to make our bottom line not about ourselves, but that we would grow in becoming all things to all people, that by all means we might win some. Thank you.